little different today, Matt. Okay. You're listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. That felt good. Yeah, Sometimes you just got to do, uh, with music, you got to do what you feel. Glad to be back today, Matt. It's uh, chapter 41, verse 41 through chapters 44 of Genesis. Of Genesis. What day is this of our reading? Uh, we are on days 21 and 22. Awesome. So, picking up, Joseph has dreams. He is uh, appointed pretty much over under Pharaoh. He's the number one guy yeah. to pull this thing off. And the rest of the story goes, Joseph rises to power and meets his brothers. Yeah, so he actually does what he suggested, which is store a bunch of grain during the seven years of plenty to ride out the seven years of famine. And it says that they stopped counting how much they had because they couldn't. They just lost track. There was just so much grain from that seven years of plenty. And... So the famine is spread over all the land, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain, because the famine was severe all over all the earth. That's the the key verse right there, I think. All the earth came to Egypt. I love that God saves the world through Noah. Get some coffee, Matt. God saves the world through Noah, and that, that sound represents too much water. Right. The, the boundaries are broken. And then God dries up the world so that the, it's going through famine, and he's going to save it through an appointed person, Joseph. Yeah, through Joseph. It's kind of cool. So Joseph is saving the known world, the whole earth, through his um, righteousness, and basically. Through, and through his dream. Like God, through his dream. God gave him the... Ability to interpret dreams. So don't miss these themes. And where do the people of God go during famine and during hardship? Egypt. Down to Egypt. Woo! Time to go to Egypt, boys. Well, Jacob knows that, so he's like, look, man, are we just going to die here? What's Mm -hmm. wrong with you boys? You you guys can't figure stuff out. Go down to Egypt, and let's get some food. I hear Mm -hmm. there's uh, food down there, or at least it's worth a chance, because the Nile River... It just provides the earth around it with food and nutrients and all that good stuff. So it's time to go. Time to go. And so everyone, if they want grain, has to go through Joseph first. Yep. So the brothers go out and they end up meeting with Joseph. And Joseph instantly recognizes them. Right. Joseph is... It is now 20 plus years, at least 20 years. Suffering. Because of his brothers, yeah. but God's turned it for good, right. and he looks at his brothers, he knows them, they do not recognize him, probably because he's all dolled up in an Egyptian garb, yeah. royalty garb, and, and makeup. He's speaking Egyptian, and yeah. like he's got the whole look. So And he asks, so he grills his brothers, it's pretty great, he's asking them highly specific questions, mm-hmm. and they cannot figure out. Later in the story, Jacob will be like, why did you guys tell him so much? And they're like, he asked... Questions about who else is in your family? Do you have any brothers? And we told them we had, you know, there's 12 of us, but one of us has died, and the other younger one is at home. Right. And then he's like, and well, our dad's it. still alive. Yeah, is your dad still? He started asking. Basically, Joseph, after all these years, can't believe he's seen his brothers. And right. he's asking, he's trying to figure out, like, this is before Facebook. Like, what is going on? <laughs> Can I see family photos? And he's yeah. getting all the information out of them. I don't know if he's trying to 
test them immediately. I think he's probably first and foremost just like trying to catch up and but, without giving up his identity. Yeah, and it's also under the guise of, I think you guys are spies. Tell me everything about uh, yourselves. Oh, yes. And, and so they're freaking out. They're scared. They just want food. It's but, already a hard time. But you figure, though, Joseph is kind of justified in this because the last time he saw his brothers, they were selling him. So yeah, maybe they were eating a meal while he was stuck in a pit. Right, so like maybe Joseph is trying to see... Like, who are you? Like, not, yeah, he's like, are you guys here to hurt me? Yeah. Oh, you don't know me because you're giving me this information. And then I think we'll see Joseph starting to play. I think then it occurs to him, let me see if my brothers have changed at all. Yeah. So he puts them all in custody. So he arrests them all for three days. (laughs) And they're all freaking out. And they immediately, it's 20 years at least since they've seen Joseph or had the whole selling Joseph. And they're going to instantly this is because we sold joseph yeah they it's on their minds they remember what they've done all these years yeah 20 years and their sin still haunts them because jacob is still distraught over it right he's still tired i mean he's sad about losing his first his first of the favorite boys Mm -hmm. joseph and benjamin so um so they're they're freaking out and then joseph comes back and says i'm gonna let you guys go but i'm gonna keep one of you Mm-hmm. And they decide Simeon. I mean, he's the second born. And also, we know dad, Jacob. Jacob doesn't like him. Yeah. Jacob's <laughs> like, look, Reuben, you tried to overthrow me by sleeping with my concubine. Yeah. Simeon, you and Levi went and brought down a whore. You used the, the, sign. S- the sign of circumcision as a weapon for violence, right. which gave us a bad reputation in the land of promise. I don't like you. So Simeon is left behind and he says joseph tells them you will not return you will not see me again unless you bring your youngest brother so i can know that your story is true right. otherwise i'm going to assume you're spies but these guys go back and it seems like some year i don't know it seems like a while goes by they eat all the food yeah until the food and they have their money too like mm-hmm. joseph doesn't charge them anything they're scared about that yeah they they return and then look in their saddlebags and realize all their money's there so they're like doubly going, God is really punishing We us. just stole from the most powerful nation right. on earth. So they're not excited to go back there. And apparently Simeon is not that important to them. <laughs> apparently. And so <laughs> they, get, they, they do get back and Reuben tries to bargain with his dad and says, look, we're going to need food eventually. We're going to need to go back. Here's the deal. Let me take Benjamin. And if I don't bring him back, kill my two sons. Right. And Jacob is like, what? No, I'm not doing that. I liked your thought on this yeah. about Reuben just not getting it. He doesn't get it. So he's offering up the lives of his two sons. He's still not taking like personal responsibility for it. And Jacob's like, why do I want more death in my family? Right. I don't want dead grandbabies now. Right. So he just he's like, no, you're not taking Benjamin. And so that's how they close out 42. Chapter 42 closes out like that. But Jacob says, my son shall not go down with you. For mm-hmm. his brother is dead and he's the only one left. See, he, he regards these two, Benjamin and Joseph, as his only sons. Yeah. If harm should happen to him on the journey that you were to make, you would bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to Sheol. Yeah. So Reuben is denied, but the famine persists. And so it comes down to crunch time, and uh, we've got to do something. If we don't go, we will die of starvation. So this is where we see Judah start to step up a little bit. Yeah. And unlike... His brother Reuben, who offers the lives of his two sons, Judah says, I will take personal responsibility for Benjamin. 
if anything happens to Benjamin, let judgment and punishment come down on me. Yeah. Personally. There it is. I will take the brunt of the curse. And so this is different. Also, they're starting to starve. Yeah. And so, again, Jacob now is like, okay, fine. Take I, him. I, I Take him. Just and take I him. And I will hold you responsible. And if I will, you, if yeah. I don't see Benjamin again, it is on you, Judah. And then he does say, he blesses his sons and says, May God Almighty grant you mercy before the man, and may he send back your other brother and Benjamin. And as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. Yeah. So there it is. Yeah. Jacob's like, all right do this go down and then uh there's a fulfillment of joseph's long-awaited dream i don't know how many years at least two decades since he had the dream that his brothers would bow down to him Mm -hmm. and his father and his father because his father sends his brothers off with a present which is like uh an honorific like this is what you do to kings like you give them presents so they come down and here it is they are worshiped they're bowing down to Joseph, after mm-hmm. all these years, the brothers are back, and so they they get down there, and Joseph actually sees Benjamin, and goes, "Awesome! I can't believe I'm seeing my brother." So he orders his house, like his servants, to uh, do a banquet and bring bring the brothers to his house. So they show up at his house. They're freaking out even more because they're like, "Oh man, we're at his personal place of dwelling. Yeah. He's going to like." enslave us or deal with us quietly and privately just kill us and throw us in the backyard (laughs) like they're freaking out and uh so they they say something they end up saying to the steward hey we realized our money was still in our packs we don't know how it got there so we brought double the money like like we want to make this right and the steward says the steward says um peace to you do not be afraid your God and the God of your father has put treasure in your sacks for you. I received your money. And so the servant is speaking from, like, he's acknowledging the God of Jacob and Isaac. Right. So he knows the God of Joseph. Like, Joseph has obviously told the servant about his God. And uh, he's saying, it's okay. Right. Just come into the house and have a meal. So when Joseph saw these guys, and this is happening... Before he has a meal, he goes off and cries because he loves his little brother, Benjamin, Mm -hmm. and gets himself together. And then as he's feeding them, he's not going to eat with them because he's considered to be an Egyptian. Egyptians don't eat with Hebrews. Yeah. And... um, but he gives Benjamin five times the portion. I kind of like that little... Like, there's still this strand of favoritism, like, you know... Rachel was the real wife of Jacob, mm-hmm. and these are the real boys, even though there's, you know, 10 others. And so uh, we get through that scene, and now Joseph is testing his brothers, because now he's moved with compassion, but he wants to know, are these still the ruthless murderers right. that they were 20 years ago, or have they changed? Like, do I need to deal with them mercifully, or should I end their line of deception and murder? Mm-hmm. So he sends them off. He puts their money back into their sacks again. Uh-huh. And then he also takes his silver, his special silver cup and puts it in the bag of Benjamin. Right. Now, I think, I think Joseph spent time with his dad, Jacob, and heard the stories. Mm. 
um, and just knew and was more connected. Like Ruben and the other boys aren't really connected. They're kind of like Esau. They're just clueless. Like mm-hmm. they would go off and marry Ishmael's daughters instead of the right daughters. You know what I mean? Right. Like they just don't get it. And um, so I think Joseph remembers these stories because he almost creates a scene that's identical to Jacob when he's fleeing from Laban. Yeah. And Laban chases after him and says, you took the household gods. And Jacob says, well, kill whoever you can have. Whoever is took it, you can have. Well, the same thing happens here. Only Joseph plans this. He stages this little scene. He puts the silver divination cup in Benjamin's sack. The boys act exactly like they're supposed to. They say, we didn't steal anything from you. In fact, if you find this cup you, you say that's missing, you can have that person. And we'll be your servants too, but you right. could kill that person. Yeah. Which is like a complete nightmare for them. If if they found the cup in Benjamin's bag, then Benjamin's going to die. Now they got to go back to Jacob. Like it is a complete nightmare. Yeah. And that's what Joseph recreates. But the most surprising thing of all this, is there anything else you need to say about that? I'm going to get to Judah's response. No, yeah. So, of course, they go, they look through all the bags, and they find the cup in Benjamin's bag. And now they're in, they are... They tear their clothes. They're, right. They are distraught, and they pack everything up, and they just head right back to Joseph. Right. So what's different? I, first of all, I want to I hashtag this phrase, Benji's bag, because that just bag. means you're oh, yeah. in trouble. Yeah. You really picked up Benji's bag there. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's a real thing yet, but uh, it will be one day for all of our listeners. But uh, they, what I liked about this scene is you can see things have changed for these boys. Because mm-hmm. now they go, instead of running... Right. And sacrificing a brother and right. lying to their dad, they go back to Joseph. And this is where Judah steps up. Like yeah. Judah has had a change of heart. He owns up to it. And did I read this right? It sounds like even though he didn't even do this deed of the cup, he mm-hmm. confesses as though he did. Like he's like, he is basically, I think it's verse 16. In verse 16, what does he say? Um, uh... Uh, and Judah said, what shall we say to my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how can we clear ourselves? God has found out the guilt of our servants. Behold, we are the Lord's servants, both we and he also in whose hand the cup has been found. Like they didn't steal the cup, but they, it was there. And he just owns up to something he yeah. didn't do because he knows he's done so much other things. Like he's killed his other younger brother. He's yeah. been a part of this. And to me, this is the real moment of Judah's repentance. Mm-hmm. And then Judah goes on to be self-sacrificial. Right. Like he says, you can take me. Take take me instead of right. instead of my younger brother. Because my younger brother means so much more to my father. And I don't want to send my father to an early grave. Right. So Judah now, it's it's like we just watched that movie, the old movie Miracle on I. You know, it's mm-hmm. about the mm-hmm. 1980s. Yes, 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 yes. And there's a moment in that movie when they all stop being uh, players from University of Minnesota or University of Boston, and they go, I play for the USA. <laughs> and this is where I feel like Judah finally gets it. He's like, yeah. I play for the people of the promise. Right. And Joseph's like, uh, "He, this is exactly what Joseph needs to hear. Because Judah was the one who initiated Joseph's death, uh, yeah. death and slavery. And so now we see Judah turning around being redeemed redeemed and saying standing up for rachel's and you know what else son. you know what I, yeah and that that's it rachel's son because you figure jealousy of inheritance the jealousy of blessing um the fact that you were born of leah like all the boys of leah hated the the, the boys of rachel right and it's like 
that is all there, but you see Judah repent and his heart is changed where he's like, I get it. Yeah. I need to protect Rachel's boys. Yeah. And I, whether it means I, I've messed up the inheritance, I've messed up this long enough, I'm going to do this right. Mm-hmm. And God always hears repentance. God right. always hears this. And that's what, uh, so Joseph hears the repentance. He sees the hearts have been changed. And Judah is now willing to sacrifice himself instead of sacrifice Rachel's sons. Yeah. And I think it's my personal opinion, but we will see this theme between Judah, this relationship between Judah and Benjamin and the tribes play out. Because this, I think this scene echoes throughout the history of those tribes. And I think, yeah, like you were saying, and we'll say it again and again, you can't hear it enough. But yeah, you have David, the tribe of Judah. Judah. And Saul, the tribe, tribe of, of Benjamin. Benjamin, and you'll see this interplay even in the New Testament. Like the only tribes left, Levi, Benjamin, and Judah, are in the yeah. And so there's a unique relationship. Um, the only other thing is just how Joseph is protecting. He's a major part. Like the line of Joseph, we said this in the last one, but it's worth repeating. Joseph doesn't carry the line of really, Christ. Of right. Christ. He's protecting the line of Christ. And then you see Christ. um, It's just great. So Judah now is almost acting like he's a type of Jesus now, willing to sacrifice himself. He's he's the older brother. The older brother. Sacrifice himself for the younger. Mm -hmm. And that's what, uh, yeah. So, Which we have yet to ever see, actually. Right. Within this... Within that's interesting. Oh, this is the break. This is the break of up the until, generational sin. Up until now, every child of the promise has been a complete screw up. Well, and the <sighs> older brother has always persecuted the younger brother. Right. This is Ishmael where... has persecuted Isaac. Esau's persecuted Jacob. We've only ever seen. So this is the first time where we see an older brother within the story defend the younger. You're right. Oh man, that's a great break. No, it is. It is the first time among the sons that it's, yeah. it's changed. Among the line of Abraham. All the way from Cain and Abel. Yeah. I mean, Cain has oh, always yeah. murdered Abel. Yes. And so oh, man. Judah would, of course, murder Benjamin and save himself. Right. Esau would murder Jacob. Like, oh, so this is a huge break in the story. Maybe this is why it all comes through Judah. Yeah. Amazing. Oof. That's a good... I'm glad we discovered that <laughs> right here together on Fed Vibrations. Woo! All right. So... That's the end of... Our Genesis reading. That's our Genesis reading. Let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 through 1539. All right. Well, we're continuing the idea of, I think, Matthew is contrasting the kings of this world versus the kind of king of Jesus. Yeah. Jesus who feeds the 5,000, who mourns the death of John. Um what and, happens after that? And so he feeds the 5,000 and he oh. and his disciples get in, or he, he tells his disciples, hey, go get in a boat and go to the other side. And he dismisses the crowd. So he sends his disciples across the, across the Sea of Galilee. And then he goes up to a mountain by himself to finally have like some alone time, right. which, I, which is cool to see our Savior have moments where he's like, I just need to be alone. Yeah. I need to mourn. I need to mourn. I need to be with God. Yeah. And then there's a storm on the lake and Jesus sees it. It's like early morning, like three to six a.m. And uh, there's a storm and they're freaking out. 
disciples are freaking out, and Jesus decides, oh, I'm going to go well, uh, catch up with these guys. Right. This is what makes it different than he's calmed the storm before, right? Mm-hmm. Now, it yes. should be noted, these are fishermen. These are guys who lived on the water. It's not right. like you and me, when things get a little rocky, we're like, I'm going to be sick. So when these guys get scared, it's way worse than when we would get scared. Right. And so it's scary. But beyond just calming the storm this time, Jesus walks on water. During a storm. During a storm. He sees them and he says, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. They do not know what's going on. He identifies himself as he always does. And he says, now, what always accompanies the identification of God is do not be afraid. Mm-hmm. You see that over and over. You see that with Mary. The angels, mm-hmm. the, the angel of the Lord is here. Do not be afraid because it is a fearful thing to see God yeah. or to see his son. Don't be afraid. And then he says, come out, Peter. Yeah, because Peter actually says, Lord, if it is you, ask me to come out to you. Rich, I think Peter sometimes asks the questions we do, but they're a lot of times the wrong questions because it's kind <laughs> of if you are. Yeah. Like if this is true, come out. And it's like, all right, you're – you can only go so far with those questions. Yeah. You will be exposed for your faithlessness, which is what happens to Peter. He starts looking around. This is the classic sermon on this. You start looking around at the waves, at the wind, and all the things, and you break your gaze upon Jesus, and you start to sink. Yeah. And Jesus says, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? As soon as we take our eyes off Jesus, we doubt, and we see the reality of the death around us and lose sight of... <laughs> and we're easily overwhelmed. The only, I mean, honestly, we're standing on water right now, right. to be honest. like The only reason we're living and breathing is because Jesus is looking at us, taking our hand, saying, trust me. Because once you start to look away, you realize, I, I shouldn't... My body shouldn't be working with the junk I put in it, mm-hmm. or the things I watch, or the world I live in. How am I even living? But Peter falls, and... Uh, after this, they they make a great confession. Truly, you are the Son of God. Yeah, so once he gets in the boat, the storm calms, and they bow down and worship. Unlike the first time when he calms the storm, they ask the question, what kind of man is this? Right. But now they are like, you are God. Because maybe he got lucky with that. You know, mm-hmm. Maybe he, he just said something and the storm stopped. But now there's no doubt. He walked on water. Peter walked on water for a second. Yeah. A couple more than is normal. This crazy storm calms the moment they enter the boat. And, and so God is, is here. This is the kind of king we worship. The king mm-hmm. who can provide food. The king who walks on water. Who can control nature. Mm-hmm. Like think about this is what we need. A king who can do all these things. And here he is. Uh, Jesus Christ. And he says have faith in me. And then finally, when they crossed over, they came to um, Gennesaret. <laughs> Gennesaret. Sure. You say it with confidence. Yeah. And, uh, and they recognized him, and everyone brought out their sick. Everywhere Jesus went, people just brought out their sick, their hurting, and he healed them. And, and this one is different. They just said in their minds, maybe they heard the lady with the issue of blood, because we've yeah. heard that, right? Yeah. And I imagine if that had happened, she went back to her. Maybe this is her hometown. We're just, this is sanctified imagination. Right. But somehow they heard, if you touch his garment, you'll be healed. And so they just tried to touch the fringe of his garment. And as many touched it, were made well. Yeah. Like this is what the disciples, they saw this. If you just touched Jesus, you were made well. Yeah. His clothes. Not this even is, him. This is the kind of king we have. Um, but... There's more. He's more. It, it's even more. We go on to chapter 15, and immediately the Pharisees start getting bothered by this because to them, this is a political ploy. Yeah. Oh, you're claiming to provide food. You're claiming to, to bring up employment. 
You're claiming you can fix the economy. You're claiming you can help healthcare. Mm-hmm. And for them, it's all political. Just like the brothers that right. don't get it, like Reuben doesn't get it. The Pharisees are the older brothers who do not get it. Right. In fact, you'll even see that in Luke in the um, parable of the prodigal oh, son. Yeah, prodigal son. The older yeah. brother does yeah. not get it. So he's not getting what Jesus is doing. And so they try to wrap him up in a political conversation and accuse his disciples of breaking the tradition of the elders, which says, you must wash your hands. Before you eat. And Jesus flips it on them. Do you want to tell this or do you want me to keep going? Uh, You keep going. You're on a roll. Jesus flips it on them and says, oh, you want to talk about the law? I happen to be an expert lawyer. (laughs) And so he says, look, essentially he says, you've taken this law, the fourth You've taken the commandment to love and honor your mom and dad in a culture which says you will help provide for them. There are no nursing homes. There is no social security. It's up to the kids to pay. Well, they used the commandment of God to say, oh, I'm going to give the money I'm going to help my parents with to God instead. But they wouldn't give it till the end of their life or maybe never. And Mm -hmm. they would basically use that money for themselves while claiming to give it to God all in the point and with the purpose of withholding their responsibility to their parents. Right. And so Jesus says, this is what you've done. And he quotes Isaiah, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. You know, you, you guys are, your hearts are so cold. And then you have the nerve to accuse my disciples, my little pearls, my little treasures in the field, my little children. You're going to tie a cinder block around their neck and throw them into the water? Mm-hmm. Because they don't pour water over their hands because they don't wash their hands then he goes into i'll let you do this one. yeah then, then he, it sets up then here's he, the real deal he's he's not yeah he goes into look it's not what goes into a man that makes him uh filthy or defiles right. him it's the heart it's what's already inside man right. sin is already in us the sickness is inside of us it's not the food we eat it's not whether we've washed our hands or not that defiles us it's our own heart it's a condition that we are born with that defiles us i like this too it says the disciples came and said hey did you know that the pharisees were offended when they heard you say these things <laughs> and jesus is like oh the older brother was offended they're gonna yeah. kill me they're gonna throw me in a pit they're gonna sell me yeah to the they world did. yeah that's and interesting. they're offended because mm-hmm. oh because i told on them or because i had a dream or they're gonna bow down to me oh their feelings are hurt and then jesus comes back to this weed idea he's like hey every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up they're blind guides let the blind lead the blind both will fall into a pit (laughs) peter said okay explain this to me and then he goes peter why don't you understand (laughs) and essentially he says um whatever goes into the mouth is what you said is expelled it's it's what comes out and then jesus references the ten commandments Mm -hmm. for out of the heart come evil thoughts and he goes right into the second set there murder adultery sexual immorality theft false witness and slander which is everything that's coming out of the older brother yeah we'll call the pharisees the older brother from now and i like that nice this is what defiles a person so he's the perfect lawyer he's Mm -hmm. the perfect politician and now there's this last scene Actually, no, there's a couple no, more scenes. Yeah. But there's a scene in transition where a Canaanite woman comes mm-hmm. and says, hey, will you have mercy on me? She's crying, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. They're all annoyed with her. And even Jesus, because, you know, she's making a big scene. Right. And um, she's not one of God's 
children. She's an outsider. She's a Canaanite. Right. And so um, Jesus says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she knelt before him and said, even, you know. She says, Lord, help me. And then he answers, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Mm -hmm. And then her response to this is, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall off their master's table. Oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And he heals her. Now, here's the deal with this. He knows right now, first, he's going to the house of Israel. From the house of Israel, then we know Pentecost and the Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit. Then Jesus will say, go into all nations. But it's not time yet. Right. Israel has to be, receive their king. Then... The benefits and receive the sal- or reject, yeah. receive or reject, and then the salvation will go out to the ends of the earth, which is this Canaanite woman. Mm-hmm. But she already has faith. She's like, even give me crumbs. I know what this is worth. Yeah. And Jesus says, man, I love that. And he's also going, you know what? We're getting closer to the nations being ready for this. Yeah, It's kind of a cool, like, we're getting closer to doing this, and I love your faith. You have the faith I wish my own people had. Yeah, But instead, they reject. a lot of them are rejecting me. So then he goes on and continues his ministry of healing. And you just see him healing anything and everything. The lame, the blind, crippled, mute, uh, anything. (laughs) I mean, every crippled health, the crippled, the lame. I mean, it goes on, the blind, and they all glorified the God of Israel. Mm -hmm. And then to finish this section all off, he does something that he's already done once before. Yeah. Only this time, it's a little less spectacular. He only feeds 4,000. 4,000 men, not counting women and children and servants. And so uh, this time, though, he says, I have compassion on the crowd because they've been with me three days. You keep hearing three days. Three days in the pit. Three days. Three days. And have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry. I I just love the compassion of Jesus on his people. You know, you think about a king or a president. Like, just have compassion and Usually we can't make those kinds of decisions to feed. Even for us, we see someone in need. We know we can't afford. We don't quite have the resources to continually feed people. But Jesus does. Yeah. And then he teaches his disciples again, like, look, I will create. I am the bread of life. I am the manna. I will feed my people in the wilderness. And they are wilderness without a shepherd right now. And I will become the bread of life. The word has been made flesh and dwelt among you. And now the yeah, word he literally is, feeds them with his word because he blesses the bread and breaks it. He blesses the bread. He breaks it. He becomes the word and multiplies mm. himself to the building of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, where blessed are those who hunger and thirst in my kingdom. You will be satisfied. Here is a foretaste when I finally come back to rule this earth physically. So no one will be hungry again. Jesus is the king we need and not oh, the king we deserve. He's the king we need. And the king we want but not the king we deserve <laughs> you said it and i just like had to work through it myself that was great so that is our new testament reading so good man and now we are moving on to the psalms we have psalms 12 and 13 well in uh, psalm chapter 12 there were uh, i had verse 6 highlighted yeah verse 6 jumps out to me there's so many great but great parts of the psalm, but he says, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. You, O Lord, will keep them. 
you will guard us from this generation forever. I love how we're always concerned. Like, we're always in the most evil generation. Right? Yeah. Like, how could anything be more wicked? And that's how the psalmist felt. But throughout every generation, the words of the Lord are pure. They're refined. And they are what keep us and guard us from any generation, no matter how wicked or how seemingly good it is. I like that. Yeah, and then 13. 13's, I love the honesty of the Psalms mm-hmm. because he, he's crying out. The psalmist is crying out to God to because there's times where you feel like God is not looking at you or has forgotten you, and he is crying out to look at me. Just look at me. Lord, consider me and answer me. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens again. This is Matt and Adam signing off saying, Go in peace. Serve the Lord.